Our family are on first name basis, or I guess they're on a first name basis with us at the Jacksonville Library. Radosevich is a pretty, you know, rare name, so, you know, it would make sense. But if we walk into the library, they know our name, pull up the account. So we ran into an issue recently, though, because we thought we returned a book and couldn't find the book in our house, but the system said this book is overdue. So I, I called up the library and told them my name, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, there's, this, there's a book that it says it's overdue, and we're sure we returned this book. Can you check on the shelf and see if it's there? Well, it turns out it didn't actually come from the Jacksonville Library. It came from another one that they'd gotten loaned, and so they did some checking, and they're like, no, like, it's still not in the system. You know, maybe we'll just like renew it and you can check under the seats of your car. You can go, you know, you can check a little bit more at your house. And we use the library pretty heavily. We usually get 50 to 70 books at a time between the eight of us. And so every few years we lose a book and, you know, it turns up it's underneath somebody's bed in between the box spring and their mattress or something. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just double check. And so about three weeks later, I call them again. And I'm like, it's still not here. And they, they extend it again. Well, double check underneath the seats of your car. And I, I'm a little frustrated. I'm like, like we don't have the book. Like, we, we have checked everywhere. So this weekend, we were at the library. And I was like, look, I know we're going to have to buy this book. We, we've got to pay for it. Like, the book's just not here. And, and so the lady was like, I'm really sorry. And I was like, hey, you know, we check out hundreds of books a year we can buy one book for you guys. It's going to be okay. Uh, it's, as long as we just get this taken care of. And so they said, okay, well, you, you, you got to pay in cash or check. And I didn't have cash. So I, we went home, but I made plans. Okay, like next time I go to the library, I'll make sure I have cash. We'll buy the book. It's going to be zeroed out and we're going to be okay. And I came home later from running errands. And Emma goes, Jake, do you want to tell your dad? <laughs> And, she's like, and I'm like, what's going on? What's the deal? The one place in the house we had not checked was behind the sofa, in between the sofa and the wall. It's a big sectional, so it's not super easy to move to get to it. But like, so I had promised, we have looked everywhere in this house. It is, we've looked under beds. It's, it's nowhere. Turns out we'd looked everywhere, but the one place that book was, which was behind the sofa. So next time we lose a book, first place I'm looking is behind the sofa and underneath somebody's mattress. Those are the two places. And I was thinking of that story of, of like looking everywhere except for the, the one place that we needed to look. Because this Christmas, I wonder if maybe it's us in the room, maybe it's our grandkids, maybe it's our neighbors, are looking everywhere to find joy. But we're like, where is that? Where's that? Where is it? I haven't found it yet. Something because of this year or the last two years, the last several years has made us like look everywhere for joy, but we're like, I, I, I still don't feel it. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still, quite honestly, I'm sad. I still miss it. I wonder if this year, as we go into the Christmas season, surrounded by people looking for joy, if we've looked in a lot of places, but we've missed that one place that we have to, to look to find real joy. I, when we were at, walking in the parade a couple weeks back in Winchester, I was saying Merry Christmas as I handed out cards, and I just, I told a couple people, I didn't know them, you probably do, like, I don't know them, but I was like, it feels really good to say Merry Christmas. After the year that we've had, the last two years, something about Merry Christmas feels good. But even then, like, 
maybe for some of us, we're looking for joy. We're looking for a Merry Christmas. And we go, what, what is the place that Jesus would have us look? What is, what is that behind the sofa place that God would have us look this Christmas to find real joy, real gladness that's going to last beyond the Christmas party, beyond the family event? Go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. The last couple of weeks, we've been walking through the Christmas story that starts with the announcement of the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the promised one, but really the first announcement is the birth of John the Baptist who goes before him. Second announcement is actually the announcement that Mary the Virgin is going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we look at verses 39 to 56, we're going to, we're going to see the, the very first response to that. These two birth announcements have come, but now what is, what is the very first response? And what does that tell us about looking for joy? So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, help us to acknowledge that these are your words. This is you telling us the one place we have to look for joy and that we can find it there. In Jesus' name, amen. This this section are really two songs. Elizabeth has a song and Mary has a, a song. And the what I, what I want to show you right here is the the beginning of Mary's song I think is actually really important because Mary and Elizabeth their songs work the same way but Mary's song kind of shows us something real quick in verse 46 Mary says it starts this it some traditions call it the the uh magnificat like this is uh this is her this is her magnifying the Lord but she says my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is, Mary's doing something that's like we see in the Psalms, the Psalms of Thanksgiving. And so Mary just creates this song and says these two lines that kind of work together. My soul glorifies the Lord. Your translation might say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices or exalts in God, my Savior. These, these two ideas, is, it's, she's not making a point about, well, I have a soul and it's separate from my spirit. She's making a point that my entire being glorifies, magnifies like a magnifying glass, makes much of, makes something long, makes my soul is expanding before the Lord, glorifying the Lord. And my spirit 
exalts in, rejoices in, takes its deepest joy in God my Savior. So both of these songs have at their center this idea of my entire being is, finds its joy in making much of the Lord. That's, that's what that Mary is doing here. And that's the exact same thing that Elizabeth does before it, starting in verse 42. Both of them are like, my whole being is filled with joy. And what I want to show you today is that, that here in these two songs, Elizabeth and Mary show us the way to find joy. Elizabeth and Mary point us and say, look at Jesus and be glad. Because it is so easy, whether it's our culture around us that says you should be happy. Let's find a way to be happy. But more than just the culture around us, in the church, sometimes we come in and we sound like we're just telling each other, why don't you just be a little happier? Why don't you just find some joy? Why don't you just get over whatever it is that's weighing your soul down, that's causing you to despair or to be in depression? Or like sometimes we come together and we just like, why can't you just be happy? Be glad. I don't think that that's the center of this passage. The center of this passage is not just be glad. The center of this passage is look at Jesus and be glad. Look at Jesus and be glad is the center of these two songs. So what I want to show you is three ways that looking at Jesus can make our soul magnify and exult in God. Three things from these two songs. Three things that can make a soul magnify and exult in God. First one we see in verses 42 to 45. Look to Jesus because blessing comes with Jesus. That's what we hear from Elizabeth. Elizabeth is taking a, 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 this loaded term, and she says it multiple times. Blessed are you among women. In verse 42, she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Elizabeth says, there, there is blessing here. This is an old woman, Elizabeth, who has longed for a baby her whole life. This is Elizabeth, who her and her husband have longed for and prayed for a baby. And the Lord finally gives her a baby. And she's like, I find joy not in the fact that I have a baby, but that, that, that my relative Mary has this baby. Elizabeth is saying blessing and goodness are coming to Mary and to me because there is this baby Jesus in her womb. Elizabeth is looking at, Elizabeth's eyes are not focused simply on look at our conditions. Look, we finally have enough money. Look, now our shame is taken away. Look, now we get to have a baby and Zechariah, you get to have your name carried on in a family line. Elizabeth's not like, look, we've finally thrown off the Romans. Elizabeth is like, Blessed is Mary, and blessed is the child she's going to bear. Verse 45 is where she picks it up again. She says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This baby and the occasion of his birth is this time of blessing. And Elizabeth has fixed her eyes on here. She says, why am I so favored? Not that I would have a baby, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth's eyes are focused on a baby. Her eyes are focused on Jesus, and she is like, where this baby goes, there is blessing. So the temptation for you and I is to go through life looking in a certain place for blessing. Well, when I finally get my career to a certain point, then we'll be okay. When I I can finally retire, it's going to be okay. When when I, I finally get this surgery that I need, when I finally get free of pain, when I, when I finally get enough money, when my kids are grown or when my kids are in school or when, 
We're constantly tempted to look somewhere and say, this is where it's going to be blessed. This is where life is going to be good when the kids are in college. Look, we're finally going to be blessed when all of these relationships are fixed. And Elizabeth calls us to know, fix our eyes and say, you know what? No, that's actually not the blessed place. The blessed place is going to be where Jesus is. And if Jesus is there, then we can call that a blessed place. Even the Virgin Mary's womb. It's a place that's blessed. Elizabeth's house is blessed not because of what what else fills it, but by the fact that Jesus has come to her house. And so you and I are called this Christmas to look to Jesus and be glad because blessing comes with Jesus. Even empty places are blessed places with Jesus. Why why is that? Why, Why do we say that wherever Jesus goes, that's where blessing is? Uh, if you flip over a couple of pages to Luke chapter 4, this is where Jesus kind of announces the beginning of his ministry. And he goes to his hometown, and he goes to the synagogue, and this is why I think wherever Jesus goes, there's blessing. Because when Jesus says, you want to know that the theme of my ministry is going to be? Do you know what's going to happen now that God has come to live with us? Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so when Elizabeth is blessed and Mary is blessed and the places that Jesus goes are blessed because where Jesus goes, there's good news. Where Jesus goes, there is freedom. Where Jesus goes, there's recovery of sight. Where Jesus goes, the oppressed get set free. Shame is gone and the year of the Lord's favor is at hand. And so when we look at our lives, we go, it'll be free when this happens. Or we'll be free when this person is our leader. We'll be free when all of these things get worked out. And Jesus says, no, it's actually where I go, even empty places, that prisoners and the oppressed get set free. That the blind who can't see their way can see when Jesus comes. And so you and I at Christmas Find all of these things and these voices to say, hey, this is freedom. This is the good way. This is when life is going to be good and right. And Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4 tell us, look at Jesus, because where Jesus goes, there is blessing. So will you this season look to Jesus? It sounds so simple, but that's the story of the Bible is will you look at Jesus? Will we say, you know what? Everything around me promises that there's going to be joy if I look here. But in a simple way, I'm going to keep fixing my eyes on Jesus this Christmas. Maybe you have a loved one that desperately wants and needs joy. A loved one that's struggling with despair and depression. And you go, what can I give them? What can I do to somehow make them happy? This passage says, point them to Jesus. And just keep doing it as the greatest gift you can give them. To keep pointing them to Jesus because that's where blessing comes this Christmas. The second thing that can make a soul magnify and exult in God at Christmas. Look to Jesus who takes humiliation and trades it for honor. Look to Jesus who takes humiliation and trades it for honor. So when Mary's song starts in verse 46... She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then she gives two reasons. If you write in your Bible, you might want to circle the two words for at the beginning of verse 48 and beginning of verse 49. Because like Mary is like giving the reasons that her soul is expanding. The reason that her heart is overjoyed. 
she gives the two reasons. The first, this reason, she says in verse 48, is, she says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. You're, there are a few, maybe your translation says it slightly different, but I, I was reading that and going, what does it mean, humble? Does it, like, humiliation? Like, does it mean, like, we mean, oh, I'm really humbled, my kids made, you know, the honor roll in sixth grade, or, like, do we mean, oh, I'm really humbled, I got a promotion? Or does she mean, like, he's, like, been mindful of the fact that I don't, like, I'm really nothing. I'm poor. I'm from, the, 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 I'm from a, a, a no-name village, you know, like, my, my fiancé, if he wanted to, could have me killed. Like, d- does she mean, like, you know, hashtag humbled? Or does she mean, like, I'm really humiliated here. And God has looked on the, my humiliation. And I think that the reason that we have to look at it and understand it is the humble state of earth servant is in, like, I'm poor, I'm an outcast, I have no future, I have nothing out there. And she says, because from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary is saying, the Lord has taken my humiliation and traded it for blessing. I, my husband could have me killed. My fiance could have me killed because of what's happening right now. But the Lord has looked on me and he has traded that for honor so that from now throughout history, people are going to go, can you believe what God did in her life? Can you believe that God took this 13, 14, 15-year-old girl with no future and instead makes her the, the mother of our Lord? Mary says, he has traded my humiliation for honor. And she's like, God did this. God has done this. My soul magnifies the Lord because He has traded me, taken what I have, and made something much of it. Mary's like, God is the one who did this, not me. I didn't deserve this. And look what He has done. My soul magnifies the Lord. And so this Christmas, if you look to your circumstances and see humiliation, know that it's God's specialty to trade that. If, If you look at your life, and see all the ways that you've screwed up. All the things that have not turned out the way that you wanted. If you look at your life and say, look at the humble state of my life. I wish I were further along. I wish we didn't have the pressures that we feel. I wish I didn't struggle so bad. I wish I was a better parent, spouse, grandparent. I wish I were married. I wish I would have never done that. I wish that would have never happened to me. Know that at Christmas, Jesus takes humiliation and trades it for honor. That's his specialty. And Jesus can do that for you. That's his specialty. My uh, older brother and I used to collect baseball cards. And we've, for, I don't know why we would do this, but we would regularly spread out all of our baseball cards and trade them. But sometimes we would do a draft and we would just put them all out and then you take one and then I'll take two and then you take three and then I'll take four. And when the game, whether it was trading or drafting, was over, he always got better ones than he had before we started. Like, the trading was going on, and I'm sitting there going, well, he's got the Michael Jordan card. I really want that one this time. And he's got this one, he's got this one. And by the time the game is over, I'm sitting there, like, with one card that I wanted and nothing else. And I was like, how did this happen? Like, this was what happened last week when we traded cards. <laughs> like, I learned from that that I'm not very good at swapping or trading. So don't look me up later to try and trade something. But we would regularly do the trading, and I always came out with the short end of the trade. I could go into the game with, with sets, 
and rookie cards and all sorts of stuff, and I would come out and go, whoa, none of these are worth anything. I was thinking of that story because those of us that we go through life trying to trade with somebody, trying to trade our our last failure for some new success, trying to trade our last humiliation for some kind of honor so that somebody will look at us and respect us and love us and value us. Those of us that go through life and go, man, I always come out on the wrong end of the trade. At Christmas, we come out on the right end of the trade that we didn't make and we don't deserve. Those who only have humiliation, those who only have lowness, those who only look at their lives and see, look at how small it is, can know that Christmas means a trade where we come out on the best side. Don't run from lowness. Or this, this, don't run from smallness. Don't tr- run from humiliation at Christmas. Instead, look at Jesus and trust in the promise that he trades our humiliation for his honor. Maybe you, your job this Christmas is to encourage somebody that lives in your house or lives on your block or works next to you. They need to hear that Christianity is not about people who have gotten everything right, but those who have traded all that they've gotten wrong for all that Jesus got right. Maybe your place this Christmas is to point somebody to that reality that they've never heard before. Wait, Jesus trades all of his perfection for all of my humiliation? Maybe your job is to encourage them with that for the first time this year. And so, look to Jesus for joy, who takes humiliation and trades it for his honor. The third thing uh, that can make a soul magnify and exult in God, that can make a soul joy, find joy in God. Look to Jesus, who reverses the order of the world. Look Look to Jesus, who reverses the order of the world. Verses 49 to 55, are, are, this is, these are Mary's other reasons. So she, she's already told us, just in a real small, like, he takes my humiliation and he has traded it so people will call me blessed forever. But now she widens it and, and starts speaking about us. She starts speaking not just her case, but other people. And this is what she says, for, that's, that's a word to, to circle in your Bible, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. His, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary has already told us he trades humiliation for honor. And then she just goes through this list of saying, this is what we expect, that the rich get ahead, that those that are full are happy, that, that those that deserve, deserve the, all of the good things are the ones that get everything. And Mary says, Jesus reverses the order of the world. That it's the hungry that are full. It's the poor that God raises up in honors. It's Israel. I, I love the fact that Mary puts Israel with mercy together. Not Israel who got everything right, but Israel who needed mercy. Israel was getting no mercy from the Romans. Israel got no mercy from them. And 70 years later, Jerusalem itself would be destroyed and their temple would be destroyed. Like Israel gets no mercy from the world, but from God who reverses the order of the world. He's bringing down rulers and lifting up humble people. He's filling up hungry 
sending the rich away empty. Mary is, is saying, this Christmas, look to Jesus who reverses the order of the world. There is this temptation that you and I have. I think it's a, a human temptation. It's definitely a Midwestern temptation to think we are what we do. We are how hard we've worked. We are how respectable we can become. And Mary is like, Jesus reverses the order of everything. Jesus, the God-man, comes, he's going to come to earth and he's going to take the, the, the man with the withered hand and raise him up to a place of honor. He's going to take a cheat like Zacchaeus and go to his house for a party and bless him. He's going to take women who everybody knows the stuff they've done and he's going to honor them. And those that are self-righteous, who don't have any need of Him, who say, why, why are you coming and, and spending time with children and with the poor and with the sick and with those that... He's going to send them away empty. And those that have nothing to give Him, He's going to send them away with everything. This is what Jesus does, is He reverses the order of the world. And so there is this promise in you and I's mind that if we have more, if we behave more, if we love more, if we do the right things more, then God will love us. And Jesus declares, it's the empty that I'm going to fill. And so if you have empty this, empty this, this Christmas, know that Jesus is going to reverse that. Jesus reverses the emptiness and fills it up. When Jake was about two, we thought he had some hearing difficulties, and so we got him to see a specialist. And he had like a moderate amount of fluid in his ears, and the doctor was like, well, maybe he's got some hearing damage, so let's do a special hearing test. And so I take Jake, two years old, I got his permission today to tell this story, but he was about two, and we go, and I'm like, how are they going to do a hearing test? Like, is, what is he going to like raise his right hand? He doesn't even know which hand to raise. So we go to this special sound booth where you can't hear anything outside of the sound booth and they put a speaker on this side of the room and a speaker on this side of the room and then they had like a, like a, a light up drumming bear. You know like the kind that have like cymbals between their knees and they've got like a drum in front of them so they're like doing like lights and sounds and drumming and all this and they said we're going to we're going to make a sound come from one side with this little animal that's going to move and then he'll look to the side and see um, like and we'll be able to tell if he can hear from the, right, the correct side when they do this. They said, but, but you, Dad, he's going to sit in your lap, and we don't want you to like, give any indication which way to listen. Like, don't, don't look um, and give him an indication, oh, it's over on the right side or it's over on the left. And so we spend 10 or 15 minutes with them doing the sounds at different volumes and in different ways. And we're sitting there, and I'm in this sound booth, like, looking straight ahead the whole time, and I'm like, this kid can't hear anything. You know, it drums on the right, and he looks to the left. It drums on the left, and he looks to the right. Uh, so now we know he has hearing loss, and we've got to get this fixed. What are we going to do? How is this going to work? And so the thing is over, and so they open the door, and we, we head out. And they're like, well, he can hear perfectly. And I realized in that moment, I spent that whole time, and I'm the one that can't hear. I, I, th I thought, man, this kid can't hear. He reverses everything. But the problem is, I was the one that the hearing problem, reversing the sound, you know, time and time again. And I, and I was thinking of that story because we're in a hearing test and I've got the thing all wrong. I'm the one who thinks he understands where, I, where to listen and what the correct thing to do is and this is the way to go. But I needed, some, I needed somebody with the right hearing to reverse it for me. 
I needed someone to tell me, actually, you're the one that can't hear, not him. You're the one that needs help, not him. And at Christmas, we find that Jesus is the one who reverses the order of everything, coming and doing what we cannot do. Jesus is the one that's lifting up the humble, even though we've tried. Jesus is the one that's filling up the hungry, even though we've tried filling ourselves up with so many other things. And so don't look to the world this Christmas as your measure. Don't look to the world as your measure this Christmas that says walk in this way and it's going to be the way to fill you. It's walk in this way and this is the way to blessing. Walk in the way and this is the way to promise. This is the good life. Go this way. Don't listen to the world. Jesus is the one that reverses it, taking the empty places and filling them up. Look to Jesus this Christmas and be glad. Maybe your ministry is to somebody who is struggling so badly with joy, struggling so badly with gladness. The best gift you can give them is to, rub, to point them towards Jesus and let him take care of the rest this Christmas. You can't fix it and I can't fix it, but Jesus is the one that brings blessing. Jesus is the one that makes the trade. Jesus is the one who reverses all of these things. So this passage calls us to look to Jesus and be glad. But what if Jesus is small in your eyes? We get to this point in the sermon, and what if you go, this sounds pathetic, Right? Like some of us get to this point in the sermon and we go, that's great, but this sounds so lousy. Why are you telling me, look to Jesus and be glad? I struggle so badly. This does not sound like such good news. This passage could be a law that crushes us. Those of us that feel like Jesus sounds pathetic and it doesn't sound like joy. This passage is a law over those of us that struggle and that limp and that go, where can I find real joy? Because I've looked to Jesus and I don't know that there's joy here. This passage is a law that crushes us because in truth, we look for blessing in places other than Jesus. We try to make our own trades to get honor and we're the ones that do not like a world that's reversed. We've instead embraced the world and want its happiness. And so where is the good news for those of us that are in that place. Where is the good news for us? Philippians chapter 2 talks about this idea of this trade because it says that Jesus, who though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Jesus is the one who trades his honor from the right hand of the throne of God for our humiliation so that we can share in his honored place and call God our Father and find a smile and a welcome when we get there. Christmas is this trade that the God of the universe traded his honor for our humiliation so he can give us a welcome with him. Jesus is the one who died a shameful death called cursed by God in the Bible so that you and I can share his glory. Colossians 1 tells us that he transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to his beloved son, not because we've taken joy in the right places, but because he came and lived and died the death that we should die and was raised to new life so that he can offer that life to us. So that instead of this law, just be, just this idea of look to Jesus and find joy being a law that crushes us, it is instead this message of freedom in the good news of the gospel. That those who do not deserve it get everything. Maybe today is the day that you need to make this trade with Jesus. You have heard the message that God is the God of the world and that makes him the king over it. That puts him in authority over us. But you have lived your life rejecting God as the authority over you. Living your own way, doing your own things. 
trying to find your own honor and way in the world. The Bible calls that sin and says that God will one day judge sin with physical death in this life and eternal, uh, eternal death in hell forever. But instead of leaving us there, the Bible says that Jesus came and lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, was raised to new life so that he can make this trade with us and so that Christmas can be good news for those of us who only have humiliation, who have embraced the ways of the world and have not found their blessing in God. And that can be ours as we repent of our sin and trust in Jesus. And that is ours if we have repented of our sin and trusted in Jesus. So that our honor doesn't come from how good of a Christian we were this week, how good of a dad, how good of a a wife, how good of a a child, how good of a, a parent, a grandparent. Our honor doesn't depend on those things. Christmas is this announcement that those who have repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus alone to save them can be glad because we have looked to Jesus. If you want to do that today, grab me at the end of the service. Come and grab me at the end of the service because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to respond in repentance and faith to Jesus, to not put it off. So this passage calls us to look to Jesus and be glad. I want you to imagine me, what changes this Christmas for you? if, If your gladness doesn't depend on your circumstances, And your gladness doesn't depend on your behavior. Imagine if you know the satisfaction of God with you, not because you haven't done that one sin again this week. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since I did that one sin. Imagine what changes when you realize that that when God looks at me, he is happy with me. And so I will look to Jesus and be glad. Imagine the kind of freedom that comes this Christmas when your life is not measured by your honor from the world, by your obedience, when, you, when, when your life is not measured by how much you feel, but by what Jesus has done for you. Imagine what might change in somebody's life around you who's struggling with despair and depression when they're reminded to look towards Jesus and be glad. Look at Jesus who traded his honor for your shame. Imagine what changes in a community that knows it has this incredible offer of a trade. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Christmas is an announcement. Not just an announcement of more law and more behavior and more things that we must do, but it is an announcement of joy, that we can find real and lasting joy in the middle of whatever we are living through, because of the God-man, Jesus. Help us to look at Jesus and be glad. Give us that kind of happiness that's true and at last. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.